I'm Yasi Salek, and I'm the host of Bandsplain, a show where we explain cult bands and iconic artists by going deep into their histories and discographies. We're back with a brand new season at our brand new home, the Ringer Podcast Network, tackling a whole new batch of artists, from grunge gods to power pop pioneers to new metal legends, and many, many more. Listen to new episodes every Thursday, only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. What's going on, jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. This is Roast Battle Season 1 champion, Mike Lawrence. Husky, Steve Kazee. This is Trey Kirby. This is your girl, WB superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hi, this is Lillian Garcia. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening to them. And you're listening you're to listening to and you are listening to the And you're listening to the listening to You are listening to the Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. Welcome to the Masked Man Show bonus episode. Uh, we had to cover um, Grand Slam, and I wanted to talk to my guest today. Um, about some more war game stuff. Phil Schneider, how you doing, man? Doing great. Kaz is uh, Kaz is not here today. Kaz was here yesterday. Kaz is still recovering from being at Grand Slam. I still haven't gotten his notes yet, but I'm sure it was a ball. What did you think about the show last night? Um, I thought it was... I was good. I thought maybe everything was 5% worse than I was hoping it was going to be in a perfect world. It would be sort of my initial thoughts. Well, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like... Like acc- I think acclaimed uh, Swerve in Our Glory was just, I thought, incredible on the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty good here, but had some moments where they felt a little off kilter. Um, same thing with, I think, all the matches. Like, I thought well, Danielson Moxley, again, is amazing. And I'm going to watch it probably five, four or five more times because I'm going to write it up almost assuredly yeah. to the ringer oh, for on sure. Monday. I was going to ask you. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, listen, I felt the same way. I kind of had to recalibrate this morning when I went back and started watching. I was like, because I, I felt the same way about, you know, 5% off, but I was like, dude, this is still a 95%. Yeah, that's what I mean. It was a this great is still, show. This I is still a like, strong A. Um, yeah, no, it, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, I do think that there's a little bit of, I mean, Tony Khan's really good at booking for the, uh, you know, booking big moments in big spots, right? I, I felt like, you know, there was a I, I had to had to say this. I felt like I was unsure of the level of 
of uh, big moment to be expecting on a night like this, right? After everything that AEW's been through in the past couple of months. And uh, it felt like there was a little bit of that same lack of confidence, not confidence, but but it, it just, I, I, I couldn't quite tell how big of a deal the main event was, even as it was happening, right? Is this, and, and, yeah, and, at, the, it, and at the end with Moxley winning, you know, I think some of the only, some of the bigger issues I've had with AEW's booking general, I mean, often boil down to it's not the moment yet. Internally, it's been decided it's not the moment yet. You can even say that about the tag team match at the last pay-per-view, right? Or like, well, we'll do it. We'll, we'll, we're going to save it for this. And so when, when Moxley wins, it's a great moment for Moxley. But all I could think of was, oh, so they decided it wasn't the moment for Danielson to go over. So when is the moment for Danielson to go over? And now you're just kind of like projecting everything forward. Yeah, is he, is he, is he getting too bridesmaidy in this uh, in this promotion, right? Like, is it just like he's going to always come close but not win? And it's a guy, he's a guy who kind of already did that, right? Like, I mean, he's in his career, he had, he's already was, you know, he won the, you know, the world title a bunch of times, right? So, have, so booking him as, you know, the guy who's striving to finally do something is a weird thing for a guy who's, what was he, as a, they're booking him as a five-time world champion, right? Like Eddie Kingston, for example, I think at some point Eddie Kingston's going to win the AEW world title. And I think that is the kind of thing where he's, it's going to be the moment where he finally overcomes it all and is able to put it together and do it. It's weird to book Brian Danielson like that for a guy who held the world title a bunch of times. Do you think for Mox, this this is, uh, does this kind of legitimize him more? That that oh. he's not just that that the last it wasn't just a series of sort of interim reigns now at the moment especially at the moment when everyone just assumed he was there as a patsy that that he that he grabbed the title and he's just going to take because there is a sort of like it's not a shoot but <laughs> but there is a sort of like it, the 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 win sort of felt more real because it defied everybody's expectations. Does that make any sense? I can see that. I don't think. I mean, I think he's about as legitimate as he's going to get in the promotion, right? I mean, this is he's the three to- only person who's held the title, you know, three times. Is there any? Am I forgetting anybody even holding it more than once? I mean, it's he's the, he's the only multiple time champion at all, right? Now this is three times. Well, Punk lost it and got it back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, sure. Good, good point. I forgot that Bud never defended it, but you know, he's had like he has had two uh, zero defense title runs. Um, but yeah, no, I so I don't think he needed legitimacy. I mean, but I guess they feel like there's more in Moxley MJF than there is in Danielson MJF. And it feels I would like much rather see Danielson MJF. A lot of MJF. Yeah, I think he'd do two cutaways. I don't think we need him. Statler and Waldorf and the, the higher yeah. First, it was a lot of the only thing that 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 was uh, more excessive than the number of cutaways was just the level of cutaway commentary that was like on Twitter and Reddit today. Like everybody was just screaming about the about the about the number of cutaways. Um, it had like a, a very it had a very like 1998 Nitro feel. It's like, can I just watch this Silver King match? Do we need to be cutting to the back to the to <laughs> NWO Hollywood punching NWO Wolfpack? I just want to watch. I just want to watch Yuji Asariyoka yeah. have this Listen, match with Rey Mysterio I'm, I'm Jr. Not gonna, it looks like I'm, it's pretty I'm, good. I'm reluctant to compare anything to the, that era of WCW. Um, just out of respect for what AEW is doing, I'm not going to do it here. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I I don't think I needed him holding the giant token. I, I mean, if that, if that's going to be what you grab off the th- off the top of the ladder or whatever, that's fine. But it just looks. I mean, if anybody can pull off that level of sort of camp without it going down a fully campy road, it's MJF. He is just sort of camp incarnate in the best possible way. But, um, but yeah, I mean, whatever. That's a minor quibble. 
Um, I think I have more issues with sort of like the rush feeling at the end of the match and then not getting a big victory celebration and everything on TV. But that's, you know, who knows they if that was the plan. issues, right? They always kind of do. It always does feel like everything's, you know, that's a that's an AEW thing. I think they always have like, you know, I've got seven ideas that I want to jam into this mm-hmm. time period. And I probably should have five ideas and let everything uh, breathe. breathe a little more, right? Yeah. Like I, do, I think you could have, like we could have had saved Orange Cassidy Pac for a different night and just let everything, you know, yeah. stretch. And I don't think any of the matches need necessarily more time, but you just have a little less, it's a little less frantic. Like they did the Tony Schiavone thing, right? Where he gets kind of roughed up. Mm-hmm. And then they immediately cut to him a pre-taped promo with him and the and the baddies and and Diamante and Trina and it's just like I don't know I mean that was kind of cool but why don't you have that earlier and why don't we have a minute where we you know get to absorb the fact that you bump this guy who doesn't do that mm-hmm. right like you know when when you're a Memphis guy when Gordon Soley got manhandled by Dream machine they that let that mean something for a little bit right they didn't immediately cut to you, you know lance russell or they, wait, and then five other things right you said gordon Soli. do you mean lance russell or I mean lance we, russell yes really um cut that brian <laughs> it's okay well um no you're you're absolutely right um you, you gotta you gotta let the the roughing up mean something when you yeah. when you get when you work on those guys um lance russell looked like he was about 65 throughout his entire run was probably about like 45 when he bumped for the dream machine. But who knows? those guys, they, they, they're back in the day, there was some, you guys look, you got aged, right? You always see those things where they show yeah. the prom pictures of somebody. It's like, that guy looks like he's 38 years old. He was mean, in prom? Mean was Gene, in Wait, Brian, how old was Mean Gene when he like came to WWE? He was shockingly young, but he still had the, but he had the mustache and the bald head and the, it just, it was, it was great. Um, when he was when he did that, remember when he like trained with Hogan for a tag match one time? Oh. It was a very like, much, you know, not 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 the peak of Hulkamania, but it was a pretty incredible sequence. Yeah, I remember like going back and looking at that recently, and being like, "Oh no, he was actually at like younger than me, or he was like an appropriate." <laughs> he's, like, oh, he's actually thirty-two years old. It's not he's that shocking. Fifteen not, years younger than Bobby Fish. Me yeah. too. Was when he did that. <laughs> Not it was not like ridiculous for him to be like getting in the gym and trying to get into shape, you know, better shape at that age. It's like we're all doing it now. Um, anyway, that was definitely the, a video that I rented at 42. Jesus, <laughs> yeah, right. he was he was 40, so he was literally younger than me when he was training yeah. with Hogan. So, uh, it was funny, yeah, that was definitely a video that got rented a lot at the local video store. Uh, oh my by, you know, 12 year old, 12 year old Phil Steiner, it's like, oh, I got to see the mean team match again. I don't, I don't, I don't remember it contemporaneously, but I definitely remember it from, you know, WWE slams, bloopers and, and splashes or whatever the video that, that was on. There is nothing better than those days of renting wrestling tapes at the blockbuster. You had to like go in and just see whatever your local video store possibly had. Inevitably, like half of the wrestling content would be in like the five dollar bin, but like the front of the store or whatever, where you could like buy it and take and own it, you know. And you were always trying to like bargain with your parents about about how it was like actually like you know cost benefit analysis. It made oh, more sense to buy these things than to rent them. And yeah, I mean, yeah, was, you know, yeah, the move wasn't always blockbuster either, right? You want to go to the video store that was, you know like in the strip mall that wasn't a blockbuster that was 70% porn, but they'd have some regular movies. So they're not just a porn store. And those would be where that's where you would get like, that's where you would get, I want to hurt people 
or like uh, oh, or the yeah. PWI ringmasters. You get the stuff that was a little offsetter, right? Not necessarily your Coliseum home videos. But that's where you could see Starcade. Um, but yeah, now it's like everything is completely available, right? Everything. Like there's almost all, almost, if you gave me like a, Phil, I know this video match exists on videotape and gave me like 45 minutes, I could get you a copy. Right, like some YouTube, or I've got some Google Drive. Like everything, almost all taped wrestling is available. But there's something, something about like I need to go to the video store that's a little farther away from the other video store to get the one video I want to see. You're never gonna, re- you're never gonna replicate that by just doing a YouTube. These kids today, we've got it too easy. They don't have to do the grind. So yeah. So long story short, uh, if it were possible to do, maybe should we do a, po- a mini podcast series about the first video, the, the, your favorite wrestling rental? <laughs> <laughs> and see what everybody's yes, um, yeah we'll, we'll we'll set that aside let's get back to let's get back to grand slam um let's run through the rest of the card uh and and you know touch on a couple of things before we circle back to the main event because the main event was really special um we had uh jericho <laughs> I actually predicted this on the show yesterday uh, and then and then proceeded to not make that my pick. I, so I I picked Claudio, but I was like, I could, I was staring at the card and I was like, I could totally imagine Jericho going to Tony Khan and saying, so you need, yeah, I hear you're having trouble getting a Ring of Honor TV deal. <laughs> I got an idea for you, you know? Um, it, I, I don't know if this is going to be a short-term thing uh, if, if, or if he's actually going to be there to help formally launch the company. Um, but the fact that people are sort of like, you know, getting a little bit in their feelings about it, I think is exactly what you would want here. Right. I mean, it, it, obviously Jericho is not the, the, is not some standard bearer for like the ring of honor or the code of honor or anything like that. But I would assume that's exactly the point. Yeah. So that's been the story of ring of honor since the very first show on the very first show, Christopher Daniels refuses to shake hands. And the first basic angle they ran on the very first show is this guy doesn't respect the code of honor, blah, blah, blah. Like like the idea that this is, that this promotion has held that sacred the entire time. It was a gimmick, right? The gimmick was that this, we Mm -hmm. were taking wrestling seriously. And the only way that works as a gimmick is if there's some people who are not, so yeah. the idea that Jericho's like, this is blasphemous. It's like very first show, very first angle they ever ran was Christopher Daniels refusing to honor the code of honor. Yeah. It was kind of a dumb angle, but like it's certainly the idea that this is some sort of like spitting in the face thing. Yeah. I mean, the point of it is, I think this is very, it's very like, remember that time Vince won the ECW title? Yes. One of the yes. greatest moments in wrestling history. Yeah, sure. it was awesome. And I assume this is going to be the same thing. And yeah, ROH could do a lot worse as a starting thing, Jericho Appreciation Society not appreciating ROH versus the ROH guys. The Jericho Appreciation Society wor- actually works better in Ring of Honor, Thomas, than it does in AEW, right? I mean, just the whole the whole sports entertainer gimmick is just such a great, great heel gimmick in in, in the Ring of Honor sphere. Uh, yeah, would, and you got Garcia already has the pure title, and you have his whole. You can have you can you know if assuming that they are going to start a, a show at some point, you know. Moving that over, his crisis of conscious thing over to Ring of Honor. 
I, honestly, I think that's the great, the, the the most exciting part about Jericho winning is it feels like now that there is momentum towards the show existing, right? Like why, like otherwise, why would we be doing this? But who knows? I haven't heard anything concrete about that. Christopher Daniels, by the way, is still out there working. He was like, what, was he working in Japan last week? I did. I, I saw. Christopher, I, I saw. I yeah. It's. I love Daniels. Always been a Daniels fan, but I'm a particularly a fan now that he wrestles. You know on the indies or whatever, he's finally aged into his body. If that, like, he, finally, <laughs> he finally like looks like, I don't know. I just, I, I, I just, I'd love watching him go out there. Um, I was always, my always Christopher Daniels thing. We really are off track here. I was Christopher Daniels thing. I thought his, he was execution was a little too good. Like he was always one of those guys where everything looked like effortless with him. And it's yeah. always like, you, you kind of wanted it to look a little like, and it, like it requires a little more effort was mm-hmm. always my, my Christopher Daniels quibble going back to like, you know, starting to watch him and Mike modest have cool matches and, in Northern California Indies in like the late nineties. Oh, it's a real, be, yeah, it being, it, it looking like it's coming too easily. I mean, that there's a lot, I, I said, who did I, I said that, that about somebody the other day. I don't even remember who it was, but yeah, I think that's, a, that's, a, that's totally legitimate critique. Um, you, wanted to, you, wanted to, you wanted to look a little right. I mean, that was, we're, and this is segueing back to the initial match. One of the things that I kind of liked about Jericho Claudio is it had a raggedness to it. That's kind of the mm-hmm. cool thing about 51 year old Jericho is that guy is like kind of ragged in kind of an interesting way. Like he throws, doesn't have crisp looking strikes. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? He's not like this guy who's got perfect execution on his strikes, like the way Danielson does, for example. Yeah. But he throws these like weird punches that look like they hurt like shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're like, oh God, man, he just fucking, the thumb got right in the guy's eye with that like little with- weird short hook he threw. So he's kind of like, it's kind of a fun guy. It's like, and they, and they do Taz and, uh, and Regal always do a really good job of talking about how much yes. Jericho's punches hurt when they do commentary. Like, we- when uh when even when he hit like the sort of he's he's sort of missed on the Judas effect to end the match, it still looked like it would have really hurt, right? <laughs> it's yeah. like this he just cannonballs in and sort of armpits you in the in, across the ear, and then you're just like shit, man. I don't want to feel that. I actually said the other day, I I in previous episode of the show, my critique of Jericho at 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 um at all out was that he's kind of gotten to this phase where similar to Daniels and I mean similar similar to Daniels, it it's it, he is so gifted that it, it's so it like even at this age so much of it comes so easy to him but like he's slowed down just enough that it l- kind of looks like he's like doing he's like teaching a wrestling school class wh- while he's doing the moves like he, it's just sort of like yeah, you do that. it like this and then the guy does this you know and and uh it's because it, it's because he's so good but i didn't feel that really that much at all last night i thought that he was i i, I agree felt a little bit dirty felt a little bit rough i thought that claudio's a great just a, a surprisingly great dance partner for him uh, and uh I, I mean i don't know if this is going to be the the, the the feud going forward um, you know, Claudio's not doesn't strike you as like a quintessential like babyface cha- title chaser or whatever. But you know, what's the book on him at this point? He could actually he could do anything. And co- I mean, it, he he, know, the weird thing about Claudio is it feels like you know the whole thing was everybody was very eager to see him finally break out of the treadmill mm-hmm. that he was in the WWE for years. And very excited when he showed up. And it kind of feels like he's back on the treadmill a little bit. Like, I don't, I mean, he's kind of right in the, right in the, just outside the all NBA, but he'll make a couple all-star teams level of of guy where people thought like, oh, this is finally our chance to see him break out. And he's, you know, he's still kind of in that, uh, you know, Drew Holiday level of, of guy 
where you kind of thought this, okay, he's going to have his own team now. And I, I don't know. Maybe, and maybe that's, maybe he, maybe that is his ceiling. And we, but, but I did feel like, it does feel like a little bit like we got the toy and we can play with it a little bit, but I'm, I still, he's not, he's not a guy who's at the level of a top 10 or 12 guy in AEW. I don't think is the way he's Drew holiday. Ball. Drew holiday is like shockingly the best comp. I can't believe you just pulled that out of your back pocket. That's uh-huh. a really good comp. And it's also a media he, professional. David, no. He needs, um, he needs a, well, every, everybody needs a Giannis, right? I mean, everybody right. needs a Everybody needs someone who's just like, just, uh, Un, inarguably one of the top three in the world or whatever, you know? So, I mean, you, you wouldn't put Claudio in that category, but also there's a little bit, I don't know who the Chris Middleton is, but yeah, but you get, but you, you have to have somebody like, I think Claudio is one of those guys who would be ideally the third guy on an elite team on, on an absolutely unstoppable team, but you would always be, have people making the case that he's really the second guy. Like a lot of people, if you look at the numbers, he's actually the second, he's actually the, the second best guy on this team. Right, exactly. You know, uh, Kevin O'Connor's there going, no, no, you guys don't understand. <laughs> it actually, yes. he actually means a lot to what he, uh, to, to me. Well, I mean, you know, I guess BCC, what it would be, uh, I mean, I guess would Moxley be the honest and Danielson be the Chris Middleton? If we're talking about the Blackpool Combat Club, right? Yeah, maybe so. Although I, I don't really think Danielson's at Middleton. Danielson's more of a more of a glue guy too. But who knows? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's probably underrating him. Maybe it's reversed. Um, I know, it's hard to say. Those two guys, it's weird, right? Because you kind of thought Danielson was Giannis, but it doesn't seem like AEW thinks Danielson is Giannis because he, you know, he's. I mean, I thought he was going to win last night. I was pretty surprised that Moxley went over. I mean, it makes sense, but it did feel like you know. It does feel like maybe they missed a chance. Well, I was sorry, I was not getting the yet. Maybe missed a chance to shake things up a little bit, whereas it felt a little status quo that Box League won. But again, we're talking about Jericho Claudio, which I thought was a, a good match and a smart finish. Yeah. And puts a lot more puts a lot more juice on the ROH title than a thing defended in good matches that are basically meaningless on Rampage, which is what it's been since Claudio had it, right? Like, oh, cool. It's Claudio Takashita. That'll be really good. It's Claudio Dax Harwood. That'll be really good. Does it really mean anything? Does that this title have any, you know, juice behind it? Not really, but it's kind of cool that Claudio can have good 20-minute television main events on their B-show. Um, yeah. But, but now Jericho, I mean, Jericho is, you know, say, say what you will about him. He's not in a, he's never in a place where whatever he's doing isn't important. So if he's got the ROH title and his thing now is that he's the ROH champion, that elevates that certainly. Uh, and, you know, and if they're going to do a show, they probably need something more than Claudio having good matches with good wrestlers and a vacuum. Yeah. Yep, I agree. Um, and I think it's, I mean, they've always been, one thing that Ring of Honor was always really good at was finding that, that WWE has not been as good at over the past, you know, decade or plus is, is, uh, de-elevating guys, finding interesting things to do when their top flight guys aren't in the aren't in the title match. Right. Um, AEW has been relatively good at that too, but this is a perfect example. Of what, I mean, obviously Jericho is now, um, uh, but having him win the Ring of Honor title maybe sounds a little bit weird to say. It's like a demotion, but to have something very like significant for him to be doing and that that's outside of the AEW World Championship picture. Um, I think it's a really smart move, really good use of 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 resources there, and and. I mean, it was a great match, man. It was. I mean, they do a pretty good job of booking all seventeen of their titles. <laughs> I mean, honestly, right? Like, I mean, for for it's. I mean, it is ridiculous 
that there are, I think, 17 defended titles in this promotion right now. I, I think I did the math. I mean, I do the math all the time. It keeps changing. But, you know, like, it, like I, I think I wrote my column. It meant something that Danny Garcia won the ROH pure title in Buffalo. Like, that felt like a real moment for him, even though it's a tertiary title in a zombie promotion. Yeah. Like, the third most important title in ROH, something that does not actually exist. Yeah. Right. So it's like, but it kind of like it did feel like, oh man, that's a huge deal for him. In a way yeah. that, you know, like a lot of times the intercontinental title doesn't feel like that. Although they've done, oh, I think in the Helmsley reign it has, but there's certainly been a lot of times where like the secondary WWE title doesn't mean very Most much. Most of the time it doesn't mean it. very much. No, I mean, yeah. it, it really only works. I mean, historically, it works best with up-and-comers right like i mean when macho was carrying it around he was relatively new right i mean i mean to wwe or the wwf um as a title uh to elevate a wrestler it really i mean it's it's a great signifier and and it's really functional too it's i think i mean and and obviously it can be used as it's being used but both mid-card titles right now are, are great are really significant but it's just it takes it it takes a little bit of extra imagination to make a an established star like Bobby Lashley and you know to give him the motivation on screen for you know to 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 elevate or to keep you know keep elevated a mid-card title. But anyway, yeah. this is this is all that's all sort of beside the point. Yeah, but I think ROH does a good job of it. Like, I mean I mean I and you know I, they do a good I, job of making these kind of all of their titles kind of mean something. I mean even not all of them. I don't know about that mid-Atlantic title yet, but a lot of them mean something even though they're kind of even though it's silly that they there is like they were defending the triple a mixed tag titles here in this show. That's a, okay. Sure. Oh, it felt like they were wanting to win those. <laughs> like, it felt like it meant something to, to, you know, uh, to Ruby Soho and, and, um, and, this episode is brought to you by eBay motors, passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED highlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The All-Atlantic the all Atlantic title, we could talk about that match a little bit, but the All-Atlantic title feels sort of like the pure title to me in the sense that like... There's there seems to be a rubric for who's allowed to to fight for it, but I'm not quite sure I understand the rubric. Which I know I understand I understand what the pure title is. I'm just saying it's like I feel like I feel like I'm missing a piece of every of every feud every time somebody calls somebody out. It, it, anyway, it was nice to see them throw you know roll back uh, pack and, and Orange Cassidy. It was a fantastic match. Orange Cassidy with the right partner is just one of the most entertaining. And I don't mean, just mean that as a derisive, like he's a comedy wrestler thing. He's one of the, with the right partner on the right night, he's the best wrestler in the world. It's kind of bonkers. He sells like crazy. He's just, he's his gimmick 
in the again in the right moment is like just so incredible to watch you know come to life and uh i don't know well they figured him out in a way that i did not like watching orange cassidy on the indies the guy was like mm -hmm. ugh, this this goof is gonna look at look at him look at him smirk at how dumb wrestling is okay well i bought a ticket to this show so maybe i don't want to be reminded how stupid wrestling is in the middle of a wrestling show so i I did not like him on the indies and i think they figured they 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 changed his character just enough in AEW to really make it work where it's you're, not you're like, just mad because he was like interrupting your snuff film right it was like you like you rented faces of death and there was like a there was like a 10 minute comedy routine in the middle of it um, look, I, there's a comedy wrestling is, I like rap comedy right? I like Arn Anderson pointing to his head when when he thinks that he's got one over on Ricky Steamboat right. turns out Ricky Steamboat's gonna punch him that's funny uh the 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 comedy where the gimmick is wrestling is dumb and you're dumb for liking it. I do mm-hmm. not like and do not. And some of the Cassidy stuff in the Indies was like that. Look, we're going to wrestle in slow motion. Isn't it funny how stupid wrestling is? Whereas Cassie in AW was just like, I'm going to do this stuff as a way to drive a little intense maniac like Pac crazy because he thinks he's like, you know, this jacked up gym nut is going to, who thinks nothing's more important than getting in his sets. So having some guy in sunglasses kick him softly is a great way to get him turned around and off his game and vulnerable as opposed yeah. to like he doesn't nobody play, nobody plays along with orange cassidy in AEW. whereas then the indies a lot of it like it was like oh good this is my chance to be funny too we'll be funny together and it's like mm-hmm. well, that, that shit sucks but orange cassidy is great and i'm shocked because i was like when they signed him I was like that's a dumb signing they should there's no they shouldn't be bringing guys like this in and i thought he's he works really well there. And I thought he was good. And I thought, uh, that was a good match. I am. I think Pac, uh, he's the, he grinds matches to halts sometimes. And it kind of bugs me like the point where Pac is just going to very, very slowly glare at the camera and walk around for a minute in the middle of a match. Um, I, it, I don't certainly am not somebody who needs everything to go. Go, I was go, gonna go. say, yeah, that's not my thing. I don't, but I don't think Pac is good at slowing matches down. But he always does it, so it always bugs me a little bit when he does the thing where he, he's got to stand on the top rope and make a pose and mm-hmm. stare at the crowd. It's like, all right, just do the thing or don't do the thing, man. Yeah. So I thought the first, like, I thought the last five minutes of that match were incredible. I thought there were parts of it where I thought paint dry Pac was happening a little bit, which is something that I think happens a fair amount with him. This, this may be a unique criticism. I haven't heard a lot of other I mean, I can, I can see what you're saying. I, I've always appreciated the fact that he works, he works a methodical style. He works a sort of old school style despite being an aerialist, you know, despite being able to do things that no one in the old school could have even imagined. I uh, guess most of the, the idea of old school guys are guys who were, weren't doing necessarily a lot of moves, but were doing things to engage the audience. Mm-hmm. Like when you talk about your old school, oh, that guy, this guy wrestles really old school. He wrestles really 70s style. Watch yeah. some 70s wrestling. Those guys are doing stuff, right? Jack yeah. Briscoe is adjusting that arm bar to make it tighter. He's yeah. working to avoid a counter. He's moving. He's, you know, like, I'm going to eat, I'm going to, you know, work, I'm going to twist a knee. You know, like there's stuff going on there. Or even if it's character stuff, where it feels like Pac sometimes will just take ninety seconds off and just do nothing, and it's just like, which is not. I mean, I'm not going to let you ruin Pac for me. I'm not. I'm not I'm going to. I'm going to forget this conversation ever happened. But yeah, I could also. A- I could also make a similar argument about 
about I'm also going to make could make a similar argument about mid '90s Dean Malenko, which is also <laughs> is also a bit of a a bit of a a, a smart wrestling fan sacred cow. It's like, yeah, Dean Malenko, I get it, you're the Ice Man, but you don't necessarily need to just be putting that headlock on. You could do something with it. But all right, we're, we're fine. That's a t- <laughs> that's a conversation for a different day. I, I I like this match a lot. I think Orange Cat. I am. Cal, I hope Cal is listening cast. to this and is going to demand that you write whatever. What is the opposite of in defense of Dean Malenko? You just be like, your my your favorite wrestler sucks. An ongoing Dave, series. If you want to give me a, if you want to give me a, uh, give me a platform to shit on Dean Malenko, I will take it enthusiastically as much as like, oh god, I like Dean Malenko, but there's some, and I just so like, over oh, the line, just so there. over the line. Um, the, but I thought Orange Cast. I'm like, what 80 on Orange Cast? I think he's just great, and he's a guy right. like, and I'm excited to, to, to watch in a singles match every time he's in. Line. To your point about Orange Cassidy that you're making before, you're right that they figured him out, and the way that they figured it out, the way that they sort of cracked the code is it's a it's actually a much more difficult way to book than just than than doing it the indie way. Even though the indie way would have thrown so many things for a loop in terms of just sort of like internal continuity or whatever, you know, but like to, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a lift and they're, they're pulling it off and it's really, really impressive. Now, you know, the question, the first time he was getting, you know, had the rocket strapped to his back was like, how do you keep this going? And for a variety of reasons, that question never really had to be answered or, or just was never, was never answered. And now, you know, put it, seeing these two guys in the ring together again, does remind you of the sort of ceiling or for again for a variety of reasons that orange cassidy hit and that we're sort of back here again so where do we go from here i mean it's just you know you can do orange cassidy obviously can wrestle guys who are of a higher level than 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 pack you know i mean he he wrestled jericho he can do he can kind of play that well, old, you know, kind of the Je- Jeff Hardy role in WWF when he was, you know, wrestling Triple H and stuff like that. You, it, there's a there's a little bit of opportunity there, but but again, there's a lot of code cracking left to be done to figure out what we're going to do with Orange Cassidy. Because you're right, he's great to watch. He's exciting. It's exciting when you see him on a card, um, but it's it's work. You know, it's all work. Every every you know, booking is not easy, and that's something that we're we've seen in every wrestling company ever. A lot of commentary, by the way, about Tony Khan's booking. A lot of people, a lot of relatively smart people or, you know, smart people on Twitter who are coming out with the, the uh, is it the old Melterism that like, you know, every great booker basically had a two-year run, you know, and then they kind of lost it. And so people now, people are using that to question some of Tony Khan's decisions. I think, uh, I think we can say the jury's still out. <laughs> I don't know. I think pre- he's done a pretty good job resetting things in a chaotic. Well, that's the big thing. So, and, and I think that gets us back to where we are with this show. It's a, it was a big. This was a more formal reset than anything else. What they've done over the past several weeks, and it does feel like they're sort of reset. So they get he deserves a lot of credit for that. You know, yeah, I think Jericho that, and R- Jericho and ROH is an interesting thing. Moxley MJF I think is an interesting thing, and that's where they're going now. Uh, and the next match on the card, uh, or the next match we're going to talk about is, uh, I think that's a good lens to talk about this one through Tony storm retained her title, uh, in a four-way match, um, uh, for the AEW women's world championship. Um, but the big note was, uh, well, I mean, I guess it should be said Tony storm is in, in terms of just like, uh, you know, ring time, her, her, her placement on various cards has gotten about as premium a placement since she won the title. And, and even before as anybody except for Britt Baker in the women's division has ever gotten right. I mean, she certainly has, uh, seems to have the confidence of the company and, and thank God, because they need 
some you know some people but they got another big person uh in Soraya formerly known as Paige who debuted after the match and confronted Britt Baker um I'm excited to see her back uh if 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 uh Taz is to be believed she can go she's it seems to be medically cleared who knows been what five know. five years since she's wrestled yeah it's a, long, yeah. it's a long time. The whole, I mean, we have an entire, we, you could start an entire wrestling promotion with people who were, who were, you know, whose careers were, were ended by injury and who have since, thanks to the wonders of stem cell replacement or whatever the fuck, like rediscovered, you know, gotten a new lease on life and a career. Um, she seems to be one of these people. I mean, she was tweeting basically since like edge, edge return. She was just like, holy shit. Like now I want to come back and it looks like she's going to get the opportunity. I think that, you know, Ring rust is obviously a thing, and and who knows? I mean, I don't want to jinx anything, but there's got to be some element of like the yips when you're just like taking just basic flat back bumps again, you know, or just do, doing whatever when you when you're talking about when when you've previously been in a situation where you, she, I think she publicly said, you know, one bump and my my life could be over, you know, or I, you know, it, it, let alone my career. So yeah. So yeah, it's we, a little, they got some guys like that, right? I mean, Danielson's a similar thing. Right? Every time he takes a suplex, like, oh, Danielson, that's a lot of concussions. The, I, was, I was in awe. We're going to keep talking about the, the main event, but I was in awe last night. I kept noticing, I mean, this is not, this is not unique to last night, but he took, a, he took a suplex and did this very Brian Danielson thing where he was selling it with his hand behind his neck before the bump was over, right? Like, it's like he hits the ground, gets his hand on his neck as he's rolling out of the suplex. And so when he gets up onto one knee, he's like already selling. He did this like several times throughout the match on various moves. And it, it, it Danielson has a thing that he does better than anybody else. And for better or worse, it works better because of his injury history where he just makes you believe that he, that he has suffered an injury that will put him on the shelf for the re, you know for six months or more every single time he takes a big bump and it's really hard and sometimes it's hard to watch and sometimes it's a good thing that it's that hard to watch it really helps yeah. sell the match now I, again I don't know if 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 Soraya is going to be more of that or more of like you know last run Kurt Angle where literally every bump made me I just turned off the TV because I didn't want to <laughs> see what came next but. Um, I'm excited, man. She's one of my favorites. She's one of my all-time favorites. And 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 I think that the real interesting thing that that Tony Khan is going to have to work with in terms of, you know, we're talking about the, you know, degrees of difficulty in booking is that there are all these question marks attached to her. Uh, hopefully they won't last long, but there's all, all these question marks attached to her and, and her, I mean, even if she was 100% healthy, nothing to worry about. All the time off, you know, the fact that, to be frank, like, People are, I'm not saying wrestling's passed her by, but women's wrestling is a totally different animal than it was when she was working on a regular yeah, basis. Yeah, I mean, right? that, that was what I was thinking too. It's like that, I mean, it was certainly in the wrestling that she was in, right? Like, yeah. you know, you, there, there was certainly, you know, you, go, you can go watch an all Japan women's show from 1987. You're like, holy God, the level of work in here is insane. But, you know, like that, she was like the last, she was like the best wrestler in the Divas era. Right. Like, you know, and that, yeah, like, she was like, she kind of put the divas era to bed, but, but yes, I mean, she was, she, she didn't have to be, <laughs> she, I mean, she, she was the best wrestler in WWE, in the women's wrestler in WWE probably, but the bar was so low at that point, you know, right. that so it's interesting because the bar is certainly higher now. Right. And, yeah. 
And, and she's five years off and has a bad neck injury and probably a lot of ring rust. So it'll be interesting but, to see but how the, you book around. But the, mo- but, but, the, but, the, but, the, but the most significant piece that you lay on top of that is that she's also the most famous wrestler in the women's division in, the, in, in AEW now. I mean, she's like the biggest name by, a, I think, kind of a long shot. I mean, by a lot. So you can't. You can't slow walk her. She came out and challenged, you know, went face to face. Well, not face to face, but she, she, she came out and squared off with Britt Baker. And now you got to do something. Right. You know, you know, so. yeah, she's not going to be, she's not going to be working Riho on elevation, right? Like she's, she, you, I think you, I think you book her like you've got her for uh, like five matches, right? Yeah. Like, okay, I got five matches with her. What am I going to do with my five matches? And then if it ends up being more than that, wonderful. But you can't assume that it, it will be well, well it's yeah. a lot like punk right i mean the same i, I was gonna say it's work. punk punk and edge and it's not just because of the neck thing i mean edge i don't know the details but i think with both of those guys there were match numbers on their contracts when they came back and i think that they both exceeded them i mean i think i'm i'm, I'm confident that you know who knows if they're getting more money you know if if the contract you know rolls over or whatever but i mean my understanding when edge made his comeback is that it we're it, it was like like five or seven matches period you know and that was and and then you know whatever and he obviously and and a certain number of appearances that he's obviously you know lapped and punk is the same thing i mean i don't know what i don't know what his deal said but certainly there was no expectation that punk would be working you know dax harwood on dynamite or whatever and and he just some now he just he got the bug and he wants to wrestle a whole bunch and danielson's a similar thing when he first started out in AEW, he was wrestling like four times a week he was like putting on masks and wrestling you know on on dark and stuff i mean he was you you you, you kind of you get the bug if, if 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 you're a you know if you're a certain sort of pro wrestler it's kind of hard to keep you out of the ring so it'll be interesting to see what she does yeah no i mean i think it, it was a it was a a big a big mo- moment in the promotion that kind of felt like they needed like a big moment. Yeah. Uh, and I, uh, and obviously I have an, I don't, we're not talking about no Friday, but there was sort of another similar kind of cool, big moment on Friday. There's a big moment on Friday. I, yeah. I don't even mess with spoilers. I mean, I don't have any hesitation. Uh, so I'm sure most people listening to this don't either, but wow, that's that Friday thing is a moment. I mean, my only hang up with the, with the Soraya piece is that, uh, and like I said, Taz did say she could go. But I almost would have been more over the top with she is 100% cleared for action and and we and her match is already you know, like let's announce the match as we're as she's coming out because there you got to put you got to get rid of some of those question marks you know and yeah, like I think right they probably will I don't think they're I think I imagine that they'll announce something for her maybe that's not I just mean as she's coming out like the mo- like yes it's exciting to see her there but like you know that AEW won't, wouldn't have hesitated to sign her even if she couldn't work, right? So, I mean, so it, 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 there, it's not like implicit that this is a full in-ring return, so I would just be over the top about it if it is. Anyway, minor quibble. Um, it, it's a great, great thing for that division just overall. I'm super, the, the elevation of Tony Storm and the arrival of Soraya uh, just really, it, you know, it, it's going to be really good stuff. Now we can finally get back to the main event, which we've already talked about a ton. Um, Do we, we, we're just going to say claimed uh, Swerve and Argo. Oh, did we just skip that? Oh, I just skipped it. We just, I think we just skipped that. We can skip it. That would be great. It was good. It was, wasn't it. as good as the pay-per-view. And, and you know, I don't know, but that, that felt a little lightning in the bottle, that match. And this had some moments that weren't as, it didn't, the story wasn't as good and the work wasn't as good, but it's still cool. And I liked a lot of it. And I thought it was yeah, a good, the, good I mean, idea to put the title on the acclaimed. It was the right move. Um, 
I was talking to producer Brian before the show, and he was he was asking what they're going to do if they're going to go straight for like acclaimed FDR. It looks like FDR has got a little, uh, at least a sidebar with the the gun club, but um, that backstage segment was pretty fun. But uh, yeah, I mean, the acclaimed is um, a lot of people have pointed out the acclaimed is like is AEW's first purely homegrown star i mean it's two of them stars but whatever i mean it's it, it they it, they tony Khan put them together as a tag team i believe uh yeah and i mean i know he did and i but it was was it during during the pandemic era it sort of said let's just yeah it was like a a shot. Dark or something like that oh, we got both these guys hey do you know each other you guys would be a cool tag team and um even at their you know high points over those uh, the first year year and a half I never felt like purely confident that this was going to be like the, a, a tag team champion. You know, I, I, I wasn't, I didn't, I mean, it, it's, it's never impossible, you know, any tag team could win. Um, but I wasn't a hundred percent sold on him. It's only, you know, really since the scissor me daddy ass stuff that they really have just caught the, you know, fascination of the entire wrestling world and, and, and deservedly. So it's really fun to see somebody get over to that level in that way. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think a lot of credit goes to, to, Strickland and Keith Lee too, who, you know, adjust, who, who were sort of very giving in both those matches to guys mm-hmm. who were surpassing them, even though those guys have been in the, you know, veterans for a lot longer. Right. I mean, I think other people might've been not as willing to say, all right, we're going to make these guys look great. Have them go over us yeah. as, as they pass us on the freeway. Right. Cause it's like, they're, bigger stars than Swerve and Keith Lee are now, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if we're ranking them, they'd certainly be higher and they were lower. Well, Swerve and our glory can, can split up at any time. They also teased a sort of heel turn, although they're half heel on the Swerve side pretty much anyway, uh, in the, in the, uh, you know, post-match stuff. Um, they were, they were very giving and it's been fun to watch. It's just, I mean, Swerve and our glory has just been a lot of fun to watch everything from, you know, uh, Keith Lee, getting Canadian destroyer to them showing up at that like high school or that, that uh, school wrestling club that was all over Twitter yesterday. I mean, they're just fantastic. I mean, every, there's always something exciting going on with those guys, by the way, yeah, I, th- I keep is- them together. I kind of like them together. More I, do too. I, I, I think I, they, I think they're more, you, I think, I don't know what Keith Lee or Sir Strickland is. And they're feel like if you stuck them as singles wrestlers, I mean, I don't know that 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 feels. We were we talked about this the entire time, right? Like, where is Keith Lee in the rotation of of uh, AEW single stars, right? Like, well, I, don't. I I mean, obviously, when you split up a team like that, there's only so many slots at the top, and so you it, you know you you it, you'd be putting the fantasy and fantasy booking to say, oh, they're both main adventures. But I but I think it's you can make the case Keith Lee is you know, kind of plug and play, but as plug and play as it gets, it's obviously AEW has had no hesitation putting, you know, their champs in, in at least brief feuds with these kind of, you know, big monsters or whatever. And Keith Lee could be the one that actually, you know, is, is more than just a passing feud in that mold. Swerve, I've said over and over again, since he signed with AEW, probably lost more than anybody else in signing with NXT. Uh, and not I mean, choosing choosing WWE over AEW at the time that he did. Um, I don't think it was that cut and dried. I think he was already under contract when AEW started signing. But 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 if he had been day one, I think we'd have a. To- I think he'd be on a totally different level right now. And so I think it's interesting. Know, it almost feels like now 
maybe he would have been better off. If he was back in the WWE. He feels like a guy who's kind of always missing his his train yeah. a little bit, right? Because now with you know, you see all of your NXT uh, guys, mm-hmm. Helmsley guys, now are in these really in these pretty good positions in the WWE. And maybe like if Swerve had actually, maybe he's just like a guy who's always five minutes late for his train, right? Because now now yeah. maybe he'd be in a higher position. You know, uh, he'd be in the killer a killer cross for level sure. role in in the WWE if he had. Stuck around if he had, I mean, I guess stuck around, he got released. But if he had, you know, done the kind of I'm just hanging out, working the indies, waiting for something to change mm-hmm. as opposed to going to AEW, I don't know. There were a bunch of guys like that where it felt like, oh, that's, you know, I, I think Adam Cole would probably be better off in the WWE now, too. Um, same thing, right? Which is like, you know, then now he, the winds have changed over there. And he we'll was see. The- Let's let Adam Cole get healthy first. I think his right, I think his, I think AEW is the right place for him for a lot of reasons. So uh, it would be, I mean, listen, MJF's already got the market cornered on the I want to work for the competition gimmick, but that'll sort of be baked in to Adam Cole with everything he does going forward. It's almost like I'm going to keep going back to Ring of Honor. It's almost like how Mike Bennett's gimmick for forever was like, I should be in WWE. And also, I mean, also Rob Van Dam or whatever, he was doing the Mr. Monday Night shit. But like, but like Bennett was just sort of loathed because he looked like a WWE guy, even though even as he got better and better, you know, and and uh, I think that's sort of just going to be baked into Adam Cole when he gets back. So and hopefully he'll be able to turn that into some good heat. Um, but anyway, this main event uh, I think everybody was, I think everybody had Brian Danielson, uh, you know, on their picks card. Um, and it made a lot of, it would have made a lot of sense for Danielson to go over. Um, although in retrospect, everybody, myself included, making their pick based on the rumors of John Moxley's vacation schedule was probably a little bit, <laughs> a right. little bit like, of the wrong move. Um, Boca, right? I don't know. What is he even doing on TV? But apparently he's put his vacation off for a little while. Um, um, yeah, I thought I, but I, I think that, uh, I was shocked by the ending. Um, I think probably because of that shock was a little bit out on the ending when it happened. Um, I do wish we'd gotten the sort of post-match celebration on TV, um, only because it kind of works, you know, you saw Danielson put the belt around Moxley's waist and Moxley's post-match promo was, was incredible. If you saw some of that on Twitter, uh, but I think the more that, 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 you know, it's now been uh about 12 hours a little bit over 12 hours i i i i'm settling into really liking the decision um i think as far as a um a reset goes this is a it's not exactly as well it's more like a soft reset right it's it's putting the title in a comfortable place a familiar place but actually it is different it is new it is in in the sense that like they're putting Moxley over as the three-time champion is like the sort of standard bearer. He beat his, he beat his in-house rival. Uh, and, and the MJF feud, I think is going to have a lot of juice, you know, and, and, and Danielson, again, I hate to be reading into all this stuff. Like it, not everything is about, it's about rumors and tea leaves and everything else. You know, I don't know if it's just, if one has to wonder if he was just like, nah, I don't need it. Like, let me do my own thing. But, um, I don't know if Ryan Danielson super fans are would be that excited about him doing an MJF feud. I don't know. There's nothing about that match that particularly intrigues me. I don't. I, I would don't like know. to see the match. So whereas Moxley MJF, you feel like it's got that's that's a better match of guys, right? I would Promo like to see. The, I, I would rather see the match 
between Danielson and MJF, just bell to bell. But I think that everything else, I would rather see the Moxley part of it. I mean, I guess I just rather see Danielson against other people. <laughs> you know, yeah, he's probably probably be a slightly better match against MJF than Moxley. But I also would just rather see him do something else. I don't necessarily. Well, need to, as someone who they, enjoys MJF in the ring, as I know you do. Um, I, yeah, I just I, I think he's a really good wrestler. I would I just be more interested on on the MJF half to see what he would do against Danielson. Yeah, um, I can see that. I don't. But, I mean, I'm. Ex- I don't know. I don't. It's, well, it'd be interesting to see what they do with Danielson now, right? He doesn't have a. Seems like he has a the Jericho feuds over, right? What unless what's, he's going, what's unless he's going to go try to reclaim it for Ring of Honor, who knows? I mean, I it's it's um, but I would assume so. It seems like you got to have. Um, they've already so i mean he's he's probably still going to be floating around the top of the cards i mean you already they've already announced the hangman moxley match for cincinnati um which is sort of you know i don't know what this means for hangman but it's it's good that he's still hanging around up there too um and yeah i mean it's you know i think that danielson's going to be really helpful in sort of rebuilding recalibrating the main event scene, even without the belt, right? Because he'll probably be right there doing the number two feuds whenever, you know, as, as they figure out what life without punk and potentially Omega looks like. Um, uh, I mean, potentially both of them, I guess I got, I have no idea what's going on with that whole thing. I think at this point I would just be fully shocked to ever see punk back in an AW ring, but you know, it's pro wrestling. Anything's possible. Where, what do you, where's your, where's your betting money? Um, I think we're going, I think the cooler heads will prevail and this ends up in six months. Kenny Omega is CM Punk is a huge feud. That's my, that's my, that's my betting money. You don't want to see, what about Kenny Omega and CM Punk teaming up to take down Tony Khan, the evil boss who, who suspended us against. I, 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 I like, I like Tony Khan. You know, but I don't. I don't think we need him. We don't. I think. I think the wrestling evil boss. I think all those notes have been played. Right. Like I don't know if there's like is there a new story to be told with that particular trope. I could. I could go ahead and. I think they're. I think he's probably. They're probably already maybe doing a little too much of it. Uh, I think I would rather see those guys. I'd rather see those guys come out and you know have like a really, really un, uncomfortable, unpleasant, pushing the envelope feud with each other. That I think punk could do well. And, and I, I mean, it would be good. I think that would be cool. I think, um, you know, I think you could, I think a steel punk versus the young bucks would be a lot of fun. A steel could probably still wrestle, right? It's not that old. What's oh, how's his neck? <laughs> I think he's pretty <laughs> good. Him some stem cells? <laughs> um, okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you, I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. 
It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, AEW, like Tony Khan doesn't need to be an evil boss. I think we all know that. He's got the... um, He's got the ability to do about 50% of the job without wasting our time with the character, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he's also got the trust busters out there who can sort of play fake Tony Khan at some point in the future if they... Right, that, that is kind of what that gimmick is, yes. right? Yeah, that yeah. Is, that's, that's fake Tony Khan, right? Yeah. Like, down um, to like, why is he hiring this WWE guy? Exactly. Why is he hiring this random guy uh, from the indies that like, nobody's ever heard of? Like, it is really that is that is the that is a meta gimmick in a lot of in an amusing it way. It is, and I think that probably explains a lot why they get a lot of TV time that people are exasperated by. But um, I think it could be a lot of fun. It's you know the Shivani. This I'm totally going off on a tangent. Shivani's interesting because he has this giant, this growing backstage portfolio, right? But we we still treat him when he's on screen as if he's a sort of ineffectual interviewer, you know, play by play guy. Um, Presumably that'll have to be addressed. Someone's going to address that. Someone's going to mouth off at him and, you know, mention that he's, that he's uh, booking the plane tickets or signing the checks or doing whatever it is that he does back there. What a come up for Tony Schiavone, right? Like the guy who was off out of, out of our lives for a long, 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 long time. And now he's back. I'm very happy to see him back. Me too. That's really... the thing with that. That's the gimmick. I mean, the gimmick. That's the that's the thing with all these wrestling guys. You see, so many times in WWE, we saw you know, well, Bruce Pritchard's probably the most famous one, right? That he was just had like a really significant role and then was just fired. Obviously, did a little turn in TNA or whatever, and had his incredibly successful podcast. But then he came back. But WWE's also rehired Eric Bischoff. Uh, you know, they did Heyman. Heyman's specific title has changed some over the years. It, but when you're Vince Russo always comes up like a turd you can't flush. Yeah, because because here's the thing. It's like in pro wrestling, you know, it's not like there are a lot of like right former WWE writers and producers and stuff that have like gone to reality TV and stuff like that. But it's not like your resume really you're not going to be able to find a job in the in the wild that's going to pay you as well as pro wrestling and probably not one and certainly not one you're going to love as much as pro wrestling. Right. So like. These opportunities, it, 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 it does kind of always seem like you're in the wilderness and then you come back and you're right back in the swing of things. And and for Shivani, it's a, um, I mean, it's, it's fantastic. Shivani was with all the love that he gets, he is, it is, it is ridiculous how much hate that guy got in the waning days of WCW, you know, and- it was a rough place to be a commentator. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, a Heenan too, where it was like these guys who had really, really, really been great in other places were pretty bad near those, especially those waning days of WCW where it's like, and then you get see them in other circumstances. Like, Oh, those guys are still incredibly talented performers. They were just yeah. in a really tough spot at the end of that end of the run there. Uh, I was Dusty, watching he's the only guy who escaped it. Right? Like, I, think there's no, I don't think anybody is going to Dusty got no hate, even though Dusty was around as a commentator near the end of that thing. Right. Everybody's still happy to hear him as a commentator. Yeah. Did Dusty get hate? 
Well, we, we did. I mean, we we, we let's we'll talk a little war games now. It's funny because okay. uh, we t- Dusty gets a lot of um, Dusty is so beloved now, but like isn't I mean. 50% of his memory was the concept of the dusty finish for so long, you know? I mean, it was like as a booker, it was, it's not like, like people certainly thought about dusty finish before they thought about the brilliance of war, the war games concept for a long time. So, yeah. But anyway, I think that, you know, it's, it's, you're right, Shivani. It's great to see him back. Just great to see Jim him. Ross. Was Jim Ross also, did he bite somebody? Bite somebody? I would say, where's Jim Ross been? Like, his, was he was he also in the back throwing oh. <laughs> hands with Pat Buck or something like that? Where, I was, was, did he also was he did he was he also menacing Ace Steel's wife's dog? Where's Jim Ross been? I mean, I thought I'm, I'm uh, Jim Ross fine. I'm not saying I'm happy to see him go out. I'm not absolutely emotionally bereft that he's disappeared, but it's kind of weird, right? It is. Uh, but I talked to Jim Ross, actually, on my, my uh, podcast, The Book of Wrestling, this week. Everybody go check it out about the Hell in a Cell call. So it's a uh, he, he's that actually talk, when I talked to him, it was a while back, July 4th weekend. So um, it's I, I actually can't speak to his current whereabouts. But um, right. yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they got a good squad over there. They got more announcers and they know what to do with. So they do. Um, I mean, I was I, I wrote about my column this week. I was like uh, the regal. The Regal Taz, like Shivani, uh, Excalibur, like foursome is one of my favorite pro wrestling announcing foursomes of all time. I think yeah. they're so good. I and was, like, I thought they, they added so much that I mean, it was watching the Jericho Danielson matches. Like, man, these guys are doing a great job. Yeah, doing really, pro really wrestling true. Commentary. One more thing on Shivani, by the way, as we're recording this, I believe this is the 25th anniversary, both of Austin, Stunny McMahon at MSG and of Goldberg's debut in WCW. Uh, wow. I was watching the Goldberg debut match and Shivani just seemed like terribly ill served by the production team or whatever, because they, it was nobody quite, first of all, there was the thing where like he was calling, who was he with? I forgot who else was in the booth. I think like Heenan was calling Hugh Morris, Hugh Morris and Shivani for some reason was calling him humorous. But I remember that being a point of, so of like low key contention back in the day. Um, but nobody really knew how to, Oh, Zabisco was there. Yeah. It, it, nobody really knew how to, how to call that match nobody made it i guess it made it sort of believable that goldberg was coming out of nowhere but also it just seemed like everybody was like slightly perplexed by the whole thing so they didn't figure him out for a while remember he was feuding over mongo's super bowl mm-hmm. ring like that was his first feud or was like that like they didn't like it took a while for gold it took like a while it was like it reminds me a little of like your that podcast you did on Austin 316, where everybody remembers him doing the okay. thing, and then everybody having the the arena being full of uh, posters the next week, and then you actually did the research. You're like, no, actually, it took like five months for anybody to put up a poster, yeah. and then you know, whereas Goldberg, same thing. Everybody remembers it's like, oh my god, this guy came in with the streak and he was just killing everybody. And for a little while, it was like he was just kind of on TV and feuding with Mongo, and then yeah. and then eventually they kind of figured out we're going to make this guy well, unstoppable. It was fun talking to Jr. about his the Hell in a Cell call, uh, just because as he's told a million times, he didn't know what was going to happen in the match he prefers to go in cold or whatever and going in cold i think is generally a good thing for wrestling commentators to make it seem believable but in that in shivani when shivani and those guys were calling the first goldberg match like it it's like they didn't know that the jackhammer was cool like the jackhammer was a finisher right so like you know it's it and, and not even that they didn't know to be super impressed by him holding up Hugh Morris, you know, 340 pounds of Hugh Morris straight up in the air for five seconds, right? It was just a little bit slow. But anyway. Well, the spear wasn't something anybody did before. 
Like he didn't does. do the spear in that match, I don't think. But yeah, it was that. That was a cool. That I mean, well, I mean the first time he did that, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's not a wrestling thing. You're gonna hurt somebody doing that." Oh yeah, like, and, he, and he did. Yeah, um, he did hurt a lot of people. But then we give him a wrestling move, but that was like the first time he did that. I was like, "That, that is not a thing. That that kind of tackle where you're rapping is not mm-hmm. a kind of tackle that anybody did in wrestling before." Ball. No. Well, it's, shoulder blocks, but not like that. It's it was not like say it wasn't, and yeah, I mean, it's dangerous for him, and I mean, for the guy who's throwing the move too, because you're just putting your you're DDTing yourself, you know. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's talk a little bit about Dusty, a little bit about War Games before we get out of here. You ranked your top uh, War Games matches of all time. Um, yes. Did you get any pushback from people? What was it? What's uh, been the- a little people were upset about they're not being children were upset about there not being more war uh, like NXT War Games matches in there. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> I'll take that. I, 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 I don't. It's funny. I was, you know, our articles came out at about the same time. Your came out a couple hours before mine did. Uh-huh. Like your sort of history where we did the interview with Helmsley. And it yeah. was funny. With all, Oliver Lee Bateman wrote uh, most of that history. So okay. I, he, he's, okay. he's, he's, he got his byline on there. I'm not. All right, good. I want to get, I don't want to, I want to give Oliver Flowers to a buddy of mine, a very good writer. Um, but yeah, so it was interesting in that thing. Helmsley was like, yeah, you know, the we don't it's, we, it's not the time for us to do blood and you know we don't want to have the roof on so we can have people do spots off them and like all my reviews of the war is just like it really sucks when there's no blood in this and people are doing a bunch of spots on the top of the cage. i was like okay i'm clearly a little out of touch with the way that this is going because well, the I, two I, things I, he talked about were the two things in my article i was kind of like this is fine i wish they didn't do so many cage dives like this is a tlc match and it sucked that they couldn't do blood for the political reasons they couldn't do blood at this point and uh i think but, uh, we'll see pushback I, I, was like why weren't there more nxt ones this uh, is not the triple h i said i said this when i was on the show yesterday when i was talking to Cass. triple h is like pretty remarkably straight you know when he's when, he, when i you know he answered the questions i asked him straightforwardly and 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 it felt like really honestly the blood thing, and this is, you know, there's no, I have no, n- nothing that didn't make it into the piece, no inside knowledge. That just, but, th- but to me, just common sense, that felt like a little bit of a political answer, right? I mean, like, we're definitely going to see blood in WWE again. It's just a matter of like, are we promoting it publicly, you right. know? And uh, I think that you kind of have to say what he said, or that made a lot of sense that that would be the motivation. Who knows? The ceiling, the roof on the cage thing. I mean, the roof is just a cool visual. Um, it, it's it's a I totally understand what he's saying. It's cool to be able to you know to do backflips off the top of the cage. You know, I mean, and it's it's. Um, I guess I mean I think the thing that makes war game the war games great is the construction of it, right? In a lot of ways, right? Where you're putting these guys in a constricted environment mm-hmm. and constricting what they can do, and how do you work around those limitations? And so with the the, the when you take the cage off and you do spot, I mean, this is my same issue with. Uh, you know, there was they had a roof on blood and guts, but they were doing stuff on the, on the floor and on the top. And it's just like, you know, the, the, once you re- remove those restrictions, I think it takes away a lot of what was cool about that match. Which is like we're locking these guys in a cage. There's a roof on the cage. Nobody's getting in. Nobody's getting out. They're going to beat each other until somebody has to has to absolutely give up. Yeah. And where it's like instead now it's like we're going to see you can do the coolest flip off the top of the cage is not the same as i'm gonna you know we're gonna see well just like with anything else warriors destroy jj dylan i was talking to somebody about the you know weapon the the iterations on war games that have weapons involved there's been a lot of you know 
there's a lot of like lol TNA stuff, you know, whenever there's uh, plunder involved in these matches. And yet, and, and they're, you know, in the traditional war games matches, they weren't pulling out tables and stuff like that. But, was, but, and yet they, the second match, the one with, with Ray trailer is war machine. They won the match because like Paul Ellering snuck a, you know, leather road warriors spiked cuff into the ring and they, used, but they didn't get disqualified for using it. There were no rules right. against it. It was just discouraged from bringing into the ring. I, I don't know. I don't know what the rules are, but it was a cool way to get out of the finish, which without really making somebody, you know, job out. Um, and I think yeah, that my just, favorite, my favorite, like Indies, Indies ones in the, in the two thousands of the anarchy and wild side war games in Cornelia, Georgia, they would often have like weapons in those, but they would be like a, a rusty, a rusty, uh, a knife. So it was like <laughs> a different kind of thing. Like it wasn't like they weren't well, setting up tables as much as like iceberg was taking a, taking a, a, a hatchet to somebody's head. And so it's a little different. Yeah, that's very different. But I just think in general, in pro wrestling, it's not about it. Does it's not as much about the construction of the cage or the rules on paper as it is like the the drama of the matches it unfolds, right? I mean, you can right. you can make obviously with 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 the NXT version of War Games, the idea is you can't get out of the cage because if you do, you lose, right? You can't right. go over the top. So they sort of put a an a, an invisible an imaginary ceiling on the cage, and if worked correctly then that's great. Now you're right. There is something incredibly cool. Uh, here's the thing. If they put a ceiling on it, they would have to do it higher than they had it back then. Be just because, you know, two thirds of a modern match takes place above the, you know, the, the ceiling right. of that cage. And at some point the, it just would lose its, it would, it would, it would lose the coolness of the roof at all. Once it gets to a certain height, because part of the coolness was you, you, ran into it over <laughs> the yeah, time. Yeah, Dr. Steve Williams pressing Gary Gordy into it eight times. Yeah. Smash him again. That was part of it. And the then it, was it, was it, I mean, obviously Pillman got powerbombed into it uh, by Sid, but was it Pillman? I think it was Pillman who earlier in the match was kind of like swinging from the top of the cage yeah, to get from place Pillman, to place. Yeah, that was a cool Pillman spot. Um, he did it in the weird handheld one that I found on, on YouTube too, where he was wrestling as the yellow dog the oh, day yeah. Flair left WCW and was was fall, you know, was advertised to be in that war games so then wasn't. And the crowd went was like, We hate this. Yeah. <laughs> we hate all of you. It's kind of an interesting uh, atmosphere. Uh, but yeah, that was like a Pelman thing. It was like I should have just had him wrestle as the black scorpion and let everybody think it was Flair in there doing. I think around. that, yeah. I mean, I think maybe that was, yeah, they should have done, they should have just done. I mean, Pelman was doing some chops and, and figure four spots in that as the yellow dog. So I don't know if they were trying to think, is that Flair under the yellow dog mask so this funny. time instead of Pelman? I don't know what they were. What I, That clearly wasn't a match we're very much planning. It was it kind of a fun match, that one man game. Yeah. Um, God, I love one man. Yeah, I probably should have swapped that out for an NXT match, but it's like, oh, this has got one man. Well, here's, here's the thing, though. For, I mean, I mean, listen, you might have had one more NXT match in there, but the but the, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, if you're complaining about if people are complaining about the list or any list, there's there's actually go to the War, War Games Wikipedia page. There's like a hundred War Games matches. You know, I they were running them on house shows and stuff, and we don't have video of all of them. But there's a lot of things to to cull through to put together a top ten list. You know, I mean, yeah. it's it's. Uh, I mean, my I, you know, but the other five, my other five, which were like all ones from. I mean, there was even more of those, right? Like, because oh, there are yeah. a lot of a lot of podunk indies that have run very, very variations of war games matches. And I, I, I think I, I started, I had to do a lot of culling to find the five coolest versions of those. Uh, the great war is a lot of fun. The, uh, I, having the watched Rio. all the war games matches, um, what is your, 
Sorry, that's my that, that's my son Aubrey who's singing in the background. Hey, Hi, Aubrey. Aubrey. <laughs> now he's being called out. Uh, having watched all these war games matches, what is it? What would you book for the for 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 Survivor Series war games? Which in, in, in the men's I mean, match, like, what do you? I do? think it's clearly going to be the bloodline, right? I think some variation. I actually kind of like the idea of them doing like a like a. I mean, brawling brutes imperium, some version of that in war games. I think would be the closest thing to a traditional war games as we get. Wait, the, brawling brutes versus imperium yeah, or brawling brutes and imperium? Okay, yeah. Add a couple guys to add a guy to each side or something like that. I don't know how you would do that. Maybe mm-hmm. add a, maybe you could uh, maybe you could have a, a, I don't know Killer Cross and and McIntyre or something like that as a member of each team. But have it be kind of a, I think it would be really fun to have a kind of uh, uh, like sort of like Stud Stable versus Dusty Rhodes Family one from '94 mm-hmm. or the or the Road Warriors. Um, um, and uh, the the Simone SWAT team, yeah, yeah. Three Birds uh, versus Road Warriors, and, and Doctor Death one from that. Where it's not like your main thing. You have this cool uh, mid card guys uh, beating the shit out of each other thing yeah. in war games. Then just have a well, that's Roman a fantastic match. match. I mean, the mid Midnight and, and Warrior, wait, Midnight Warriors and Doctor Death was that right? Yeah, Against... Midnight Warriors and Doctor Death versus yeah. Samoans and Free Birds, right? Yeah, so it wasn't in all three Free Birds, but, but it was a uh, it was. Um, well, that's a sort of earn. That's one of the. That's one of my favorites too. But that one's sort of earned, right? It's like you have to have the like the the legacy of war games, and then eventually you're just like, well, we're gonna do it with tag teams this year, and people are like, right. I'm stoked, you know. Um, and so you know, maybe they'll get there. Maybe they'll get there with with, with right. But it's probably so. I, I I guess the question is, who is the bloodline going to be feuding with to make it mean war games, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. so I don't know. I would. I think it would be fun to do to have like. I don't know if Drew McIntyre is done in the main event, but to have McIntyre call up his old buddy Sheamus and say, "Look, I'm yeah. in a situation. I know we've had our issues, but we go back. We go back to our first days in wrestling school together. Yeah. I need you to bring your boys, and I need us to go in here, and I, I need your help and I come with." That- I think that would be really cool. I think that could be really good. I think that's great booking for Drew McIntyre in general. I don't know if if he's going to get to look at war games, but I would love to see that happen eventually. I mean, just with or without it. Um, I I don't know. I think that um, based on absolutely nothing, no inside information, I think, I feel like it's, I feel like we're going to have Drew versus Cross at Survivor Series. It sort of eliminates both of them from the equation, but maybe not. Um, I I imagine something like. Can't we get that out of the way at Extreme Rules? Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe that's gone. But you know, if, know, but if I mean, if Kevin Owens ends up being like the main dude, I mean, is it going to be? You know, I mean, you know, is he going? Is it going to be Owens and Gargano? And I mean, what? I mean, who knows? I don't. I don't know what that would look like. Yeah, I. I you think it's going to be like Owens bringing in like a bunch of old NXT guys? I don't think that would get over, but I do. But he has been no, spending a lot of time with Gargano. Like, oh, I'm bringing him in. Here's my friend Johnny Gargano and and. Uh, Roderick Strong, and it's like, oh, I mean, that's. I just don't think that. I, don't, I think I the don't. most compelling version is everybody that's been screwed by the bloodline just sort of comes to the ring and says, like, okay, we'll do this together. Yeah. Like every, so I guess I mean I kind of I think War Games is better when there's more when there's more ties between. It's not just a bunch of guys. Yeah. I, I I like the idea of it being you know real. You know this group that's a group, not just here's a bunch of guys who are together and got screwed by the bloodline. 
Yeah. I mean, but, but, but again, I think that's probably what's going to end up happening, right? I think it would be cooler if it was if you had you got enough stables that you could do something interesting with that. Uh, with that. Um, and then I probably, I'm, I'm assuming the woman's one's pretty clearly going to be, uh, you know, um, uh, the damage control versus some group of baby faces. Um, maybe the coolest make- version of that is that damage control doesn't work out uh, for whatever reason, and Bailey's got to call up her old friends and have that be the heel team for War Games. That like it's the horsewomen. Yeah, Charlotte. I mean, I don't yeah. know how how hurt Becky Lynch is, and we still don't know what's Becky's going on with Sasha, Sasha Banks. But that's 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 the coolest variation of that, where it's like we're bringing this is this group. We're gonna against this newer group of women wrestlers who have come up in our stead, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, that would be fantastic. That would I mean, that was what I thought. That's why I thought the best thing would have been to do instead of uh, Bailey's crew being. Uh, if instead of her bringing in a couple of random NXT girls that got fired, if she brought, if instead she brought in Sasha and Charlotte yeah. to attack, to attack Becky and Bianca, and then Becky realized turns around, and then that's your that's your big angle for wrestling for the next six months is those four as the you know running rampant over every other woman as like the female NWO. Um, but that's you know that there's a lot of reasons why that can't happen. But that would be the the perfect war games is. Horse women against your next generation of of women who've taken that path that they've uh, laid down because they've never really done them as a stable, right? They've no, talked. They haven't. That would maybe maybe that's next year. Maybe that's next year. It'll it'll be interesting. I think it wouldn't shock me if Sasha Banks and Naomi are, are back in time for some role in this match. Uh, I guess they'd probably be on the babyface side, but it would it would it would certainly raise the the star power level of of that match to, to put them in there. And I think they um, want to do something big, right? For these war games matches, they're not going to want to, they, which, which is why my my Imperium versus Brawling Brutes thing isn't plausible, even though that would be cool. Like they're going to want to, if they're going to, if they're if he's do, making this a big deal, he's going to want to make it a big deal, right? He's going to want to have this be like a superstar studded, all of the big names in this match, having like a huge big match that's gonna, people are going to remember. Um. I would love to see how many of the old school NWA WCW guys who worked war games matches are still around. They should bring them back. Have them sitting in the audience. Like, let the announcers point to them. I know Nikita Koloff's still out there somewhere. So Nikita, many- you could do Nikita. Are both the Road Warriors dead now? Yes, both the Road, both Warriors, the Road Warriors are dead. Are dead. Uh, you could have the Ste- Steiners run some war games. They're yeah. not like they're, that was a little later, right? Sting obviously unavailable. Uh, unavailable. Aren't unavailable. Flair uh, unavailable. Um, Tully? Ron is, Fuller. What's, what's Tully's mean, situation? Tully around? Unclear. Unclear. Lex Luger's still alive, right? Lex is still around, yeah. Uh, Barry Windham's still alive? I think it's Barry Windham is indeed still alive, yeah. Okay, so we got some guys. You could, I see, Barry pay, pictures of Barry Windham pop up about once every, you know, four months on Reddit or something. He's always wearing fatigue pants and a long sleeve black t-shirt. He's, uh, he's, he looks like he's doing okay. 94 uh, was a little later. I'm, I'm pretty sure both bunkhouse bunk and Robert Par- and, uh, Robert Parker are still alive. I think bunkhouse buck still wrestles, even though he's like seventies. Robert, Robert Parker is one of those guys that, that looked like 55 when he debuted and just continued to look 55 between yes. 55 and 65 the entire time. Yes. Um, 
He was that. That was the that match. I, I, I know. Uh, first, Brian said he was watching on Twitter. That match is got what a great performance by him for a guy who is so good at being an ineffectual. Like I'm playing the role of an ineffectual pro wrestling manager, mm-hmm. despite the fact I'm six foot seven. I know. I mean, like that so was always good. my hang up with him. Even as a, as a kid, I was just like, what, why is the manager taller than the wrestlers? Like yeah, he's a, both he's in Memphis enormous. and in, in, yeah. But he did a great job. He when he threw the one punch and he hurt his hand. It's like that's ah, you know you. Even if you knew that was the Tennessee stud in there, you'd be like, okay, that guy can't throw a punch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, the Tennessee stud. Um, well, is there any, do you have any other War Games notes before we get out of here? We've been going for a while. Uh, we have. Um, let me see. Um, I don't, I don't think, I, I think it's going to be fun. It's a fun idea. I'm looking forward to it moderately. I, I am fully aware that my, uh, the, my uh, ideal war games, right? My is is something that is in the past, outside of a, you know an occasional thing like that AML up match I reviewed, which was basically a nostalgia match, mm-hmm. and it's going to be something different. But I think it's a cool idea, and I like the. I, I think, I think they're doing a nice job over there of of sort of rejuicing, rejuicing uh, the product a little bit, getting it more, getting people, you know, breaking out of some of the the sort of circular ruts that it's been in. I folks should go watch some old war games matches if they haven't done it. I mean, oh, especially yes. like, especially like that absolute cream of the crop war games, the top, the top four I had on my list, I had in an order that could be any different or a set of those four in any different order on a different day. Like if I watched, if you, if for some reason you had me do this whole thing again in six months, mm-hmm. I probably would rank those four in the top order although it would definitely be those four and those yeah. four are just as good as any pro wrestling matches ever like uh, in that absolute top top tier of wrestling matches the top four war games on my list that that uh, one from 87 the one from 91 the one from 92 and the one from 94 yeah and for uh the what the my top other the anarchy one one of my favorite matches that nobody's seen but me uh, so I, every, I always tell people that they should watch uh, Devil's Rejects versus a, a, a Team Anarchy uh, from Cornelia, Georgia, which is basically uh, like a like a grindhouse horror movie in a wrestling match. And they has so much heat that the crowd followed an, uh, the ambulance to the hospital and the promoter who got laid out at the end of the match had to hide in a closet till the fans left. To sell cable, <laughs> and this was two thousand and two, uh, or no, two thousand six. So, like, well past the point where any wrestling wrestling match had ever had that heat anywhere in the world, but it had, that match had it. So, uh, I just wanted, I just want, I always try to shout that one out because that's like it's an incredible match, and I don't know, it had probably it probably has like one hundred and twenty watches on YouTube. So, um, I, I I think I agree with your top four. I think I think they're they're pretty they're they're pretty tough to compete with. Although number five and number one are obviously, you know, one's a funhouse mirror of the you know version of the other one because they happened very you know back to back more or less. And the only difference was War Machine replaced J.J. Dillon. I was it War Machine did the spot where he dove tried to dive from one ring to the other and landed on the top ropes of both rings. Yeah. Right? Wasn't that War yeah. Machine the War I think Machine that was match? War Machine, yeah. That's, That's a, a great. <laughs> Ray trailer is great. Although really in, in high time, I mean, this is me. I, I, I'm loving the fact that I get a podcast about booking quibbles from 1987. That should have just been 
Here's why why doesn't why isn't that just JJ Dillon in a arm sling paying Jim Cornette uh, a bunch of cash to have Big Bubba? Like it was so it was so it was such a wait. Did Big Bubba already exist at that point? Oh yeah, Big Bubba was working oh, the, on I've the rest of the shows on the bash. If you looked at the cage match, it's like he works that one thing, and then the next night he's working oh, like man, I'm such an idiot. I thought, I thought that this was, I thought this was like him his like warm up for Big Bubba. I didn't realize he was already Big Bubba when I was watching. Oh, he'd already been the UWF World Champion. Oh well, never mind. Right, so it's like you just why why isn't the give why isn't the angle just like JJ Dillon pays here's a, a briefcase full of cash to Jim Cornette give me Big Bubba instead of putting him in a, this ridiculous looking unitard the black unitard like an ultimate jobber unitard. <laughs> There's nothing more jobber than the all black with the mask. They're like the all Invader number seven or whatever. Yeah. Like here's the Thunderfoots had more flash to their gimmick than he did, and then the whole idea of this rope. Just absolutely violent, horrific beating he eats at the end, where it's just like gets clothes on me, everybody, and then they're just jabbing this spike into his eye. And it's like when when Magnum TA does that to Tully at the end of their feud in 85, mm-hmm. with all the things that Tully had done for years, we finally get to see Tully get his oh, yeah. get, but like in this case, it's like well, this is a horrible, sadistic beating they're doing to this goof in a unitard I've never heard of and will never see again. And we'll never see again. That's the big thing. When they're slaughtering this like nobody in this way, it kind of feels almost like like oh, this is this is kind of a horrible thing they're doing to this guy that we <laughs> just showed up and we'll also, just in general. If we're gonna if we're gonna quibble about booking, just in general, saving your big hitter for the end is a terrible is a terrible plan for the war games. Like, why would you not have Sid Vicious start the match and then just like kill the first person and then wait for the next guy to get in and kill him too? Like, well, I in, guess in, the idea, in so real life. The, so here's the kayfabe argument. I think I actually heard this a little on, on commentary to watching some of these where it's like, okay. You're going to come in fresh and you're trying to end a match. So I guess that's true because everybody's because the match freshest. doesn't even the, the match beyond hasn't started yet. Right. But if you ask guy, it's like he's OK. I, I want a fresh, not tired Sid Vicious out there killing everybody rather than having Sid worn out for 20 minutes where he's not going to be this absolute hammer knocking everybody down i think there is i think there is like a coaching strategy here for this for jj dill it's like i'm gonna bring in this guy i guess it wasn't it was still jj man i'm gonna I get bring it, in but, this if guy they, but if somebody's really as dominant as sid was at the time and some of those guys are i mean would you, i think even i this is taking this way too far i would <laughs> i still think as a coach it makes more sense to have sid vicious 10 percent tired with the with the match beyond begins and everybody else beat up then than having him come in fresh. I guess, but wasn't the, Sid was never your cardio monster, right? He was your guy who was going to come in and no. But the point is, he, pow- he power bombs Tully Blanchard, not Tully Blanchard. He, he power bombs uh, uh, Brian Pillman at the beginning of the match, and then he just gets to rest for the next two minutes, and then the next guy comes in. That's my plan. It would probably. I, mean, I think there's a, there's a, there's a, there's, a, there's a, the argument can be made. This is why uh, I'm not a professional wrestling manager because I would probably have gotten that wrong. Anyway. Thank you for doing this, Phil. Um, yeah, man. It was great. Read Phil on the ringer.com. He's got uh, a couple pieces up this week. The War Games match, the matches of the week, which smartly uh, dealt with a lot of the Brian Danielson building the legacy that I guess we'll have to wait. Um, <laughs> this column is going to be like, why that legacy thing isn't actually right about last week. And instead, he's back on the treadmill. Um, this week, yes, you're gonna- I'm sure I'll be writing about that. Um, I'm going to be in... 
I, I got a, I got a work trip to Mexico this starting tomorrow. So I'm going to go, I'm going to use my opportunity of being in Mexico to go to, I think three Lucha shows after I'm see? actually done with my work thing. So maybe Did they announce I'll, the cards. Do you know who you're going to see? I, I don't, uh, really. I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to a big Lucha show. And Great. that I think has got, uh, I think that's got being, I think that's got, that's got a big, I think that may have like Bandito and a big singles match. Oh, so that cool. may, that's, I think my, Biggest contender, although there's some other really cool stuff happening throughout the wrestling world. Uh, uh, sort of some cool stuff in Japan and cool stuff in the Indies, too. So I, this is going to be one of the... A lot of times when I do this column, sometimes that third one, it's either like Feast or Famine. Oh, yeah. Where it's like, I, I, where it's like okay, I've got five things I could write about this week. I have to pick one. And sometimes like, well, let me watch another show and find, hopefully I find something that intrigues me. This was mm-hmm. like one of those feast weeks coming up. So I saw, so, uh, so it should well, be. You so have I, to write about what you see live in Mexico. That's a okay. Thing. So maybe, so, so if I, I, if I don't see anything that I, so maybe this is a week I bug you for two. If I, if I, if I, uh, if there's something amazing and something cool I see in Mexico, cause I'm excited. So that's going to be a, uh, yeah, Monday you get to read a, a road trip about me uh, traveling for, uh, directly from the airport to in an Uber to a Lucha show. Like, that's what I'm, I'm getting in and I don't have time to go to the hotel. I'm just going straight to Big Lucha. Um, and uh, yeah, and then uh, I'm, you've got a new book of wrestling. New book of wrestling, uh, part one of As God Is My Witness uh, is out this week. Talked to Jim Ross, talked to Sean Grandy about Jim Ross. Uh, it was a lot of I mean, this is one of my favorite episodes. I'm basically done with part two right now. So, uh, you know, I get to see it in its full glory ahead of everybody else. But, um, yeah, I said it on the show yesterday. You got to try to find a new angle into all these stories that people have heard a million times before. So um, this is a story about Hell in the Cell and about Mick Foley falling off the cell two times and almost dying and whatever else. But it's all, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's the Jim Ross story. It's about the greatest call in the history of professional wrestling. And maybe in happened. sports. Top Maybe 10 sports. sports one, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, that's kind of where that that's where, I, I, you know, spoiler alert, that's where we end up landing, I think. So um, it's, it's just it was a it was a lot of fun. JR was super game. And um, yeah, this, this is this whole thing's a joy to do. Anyway, check that out. Check that out. Also, check out Cameron Hawkins is uh, FTR profile. Um, Dax Harwood that he did uh, on the ringer.com is very, very good. So excited to have that guy uh, being published on the ringer.com. I love his work. Uh, be sure to check out all the other shows in the Ring of Wrestling show feed, Mac Mania, Cheap Pete, um, and I guess that's it. Thanks, thanks to our Smart Mark producer, Brian H. Waters, and uh, apologies as always to John Moxley, although with all these championship reigns, I don't know what we're apologizing for. Anyway, we'll see you back here next week, humanoids. Humanoids.